guys, it's really, really good to be here and to share with you. We're going to look at, um, we're building the household of God, aren't we? And we're looking at building a people of worship and prayer today. So, here we go. We're going to spend a bit of time in John 4. So, if you know your Bibles or if you've got them with you, that'd be quite an amazing thing to know that off by heart, wouldn't it? You know, there's some people in other faiths that um, put us to shame, learn their whole scripture off by heart. Okay. There's a challenge for you. All right, but let's start with reading it because it's in front of us. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Okay, John 4. <clears throat> now, this is Jesus, and he had to go through Samaria. And actually, that means he felt compelled to go through Samaria. Now, he was a Jew. The Samaritans and the Jews, you probably know, didn't get on terribly well. So he felt compelled to go through Samaria, and we'll find out why. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. I'm just kind of interested that he, one person, sent 12 people off to buy food. He was hungry, I guess. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Notice straight away, Jesus is always moving the conversation on. Not always directly answering the question. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back all provocative, eh? Because we know where the story's going. And she must have just like, oh, that was a body blow. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said. Bear in mind, she starts off calling him a Jew. She now is calling him a sir. And quickly, she amends her description of him to, I can see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Place-based worship. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. In other words, he's not up for an argument. He's telling us something far bigger than she could have ever imagined. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. In brackets, you're looking right at him. (laughs) Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. It's the only time that he actually said that explicitly to anybody. And he said it to somebody who would have been despised 
by other Jewish people. He said it to a woman who would not have been spoken to by other Jewish people. And he reveals who he actually is. Isn't that incredible? So however you've come into the house of God this morning, into the household of God, however you've come in this morning, Jesus wants you to know that he is the answer you've been looking for. He's the person. However abandoned or separate you feel from what you want to be or your ideal life or your ideas of greatness or purpose, Jesus is the one who will take you there. And he is the one who wants to speak to you this morning. Okay. So from the Old Testament to the New, we move from place-based presence okay, in the temple to people-based presence of God. And we, we're, we're learning this on this journey, aren't we, when we're talking about the house of God. And even I slip into it because I know that we are the household of God. And this is a building where we meet. And we're very privileged to have this building available to us. So this is an, a personal encounter with Jesus. And Jesus longs for an encounter with us as individuals. He had to go through Samaria. He felt compelled to go through Samaria. He didn't geographically have to go through Samaria. In fact, Jewish people would deliberately take a big diversion to avoid going through Samaria. But he wanted the woman at the well to have an encounter with him so she could go and tell her household. And I'm going to throw in a word some of you know, oikos, okay? Her household, the people that she knew, the people in her close community, he wanted to communicate with them too. He wants us to get to know him. He wants us to get to know him in that same way. Verse 22, one mark of a true worshipper is that they know God. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. So the Samaritans have a kind of mix of a bit of Jewish history, but a whole load of other pagan stuff as well. So they're kind of worshipping blind. They're worshipping, hoping that what, what they're connecting with is somehow true, but they don't really know. And Jesus is saying, we, we've got the answer. In fact, you're looking at him. Okay. His nature, Jesus, is God's heart revealed. And when we worship, and when we come before him, this is what we long to discover. We long to discover the heart of God revealed. When he says, in verse 26, I who speak to you am he. He is revealing who he is. Her progression from Jew, you're a Jew, um, sir, so she's beginning to show a bit of respect because he's having a conversation with her and, and, and leading her on a journey. And then she says, mm, he's not just a sir, I better call him a prophet because he can see things about me and about life and everything else. And then right at the end, she's like, this is the Messiah. And he says, yeah, I'm that person. I am Messiah. Um, when we pray, we are praying to this same Jesus. And when we pray, we are communicating in a way that sometimes we just take for granted. The Jewish people had that. They could get right into the presence of God. They could get right into the temple of God. But we can go anywhere and have the presence of God right there with us. We don't have to be in a particular place. We don't have to be in this building. We don't have to be in the comfort of our own homes. Some of the best times of worship I've had, and I've shared with you some of this in the past, have been in my car on my way to work. 
and some of my most shouty times of worship have been on my, in my car on my way home from work. <laughs> but that's another story. We won't go there today. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, the first thing is a personal encounter with Jesus. Have we had a personal encounter with Jesus? Some of us have. Most of us in this room probably have had a personal encounter with Jesus. If you haven't, or you're kind of thinking, well, I'm a bit interested in this, I don't know about that, then today is the day you can have a personal encounter with Jesus. Maybe you've had a sense of his presence here this morning. Maybe you've just kind of, oh, I've never felt like this before. Ever, ever felt like this before. Wow. And that's because you're experiencing the presence of Jesus. But you don't have to just think, oh, he's, he's just here in this room, in this building by the river in Exeter. He's everywhere, okay? So when you leave this building, you can take the presence of Jesus with you. And by his spirit, he can be with you every day. You know, my car is a holy place. And if you saw it, you would say, it's not really, Sarah. Just get a grip, seriously. Um, Yeah, but it is a holy place. I get in there and I drive to work and I'm like, Lord, here I am. Here you are. Let's have a good time this morning. (laughs) And then you take something of the presence of God into wherever it is you are. You absolutely take him with you. Absolutely. So, a personal encounter with Jesus. That's what Jesus longs for with us. The other time that we can have a a time of um, an encounter with Jesus is in small groups, in, in our connect groups, twos and threes. We experience the imminent or close presence of God as we pray and worship together. So, in John 4, 21... Back to our passage, it says, um, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So he's just equalizing everything here, okay? Because Samaritans felt put down by the Jews because the Jews kind of looked down on them because we're the holy people of God. And he's basically saying, true worshipers are unrestricted by place or form. You can worship anywhere. You can worship in the shower. You can worship while you're cleaning your car. You can worship on your way to work. You can worship anywhere, Okay, and that's the heart that we have. The Samaritan woman is caught up in history and place. Jesus moves the conversation forward constantly to the future, to a new place, to the place of the heart. There was a a lady that um, I was good friends with a few years ago, and she... um, She'd grown up in quite traditional church, and I met her when our boys were young, and um, she came to one of the first-time mums groups. And she came along, and we were just sort of chatting um, most weeks. I got to know her quite well. Um, and it was interesting, because it, it, was, it took me quite a while to work out that she had any kind of Christian background at all, because she'd just gone to a, Christ, a, a traditional church growing up and had just drifted away over time. Then she became quite ill, and um, I was really praying for her. And I said to her, would you um, like to come to church because we're having a, a healing meeting? And she came along, and I was just like, oh, Lord, Lord, you've just got to just heal her, heal her, heal her, heal her. You know, like you do. You're just like, oh, Lord, 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 please, please, please. And just praying and praying and praying. And she came along, and after she was prayed for and she had to wait for ages and I was conscious of the fact she was quite ill by this time and I was conscious of the fact that oh she's having to stand for so long to wait to be prayed for is she gonna is she gonna collapse you know I was kind of oh lord 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 please 
And um, she, she was prayed for, and she, she wrote us a note afterwards. I was reading it last night, and she said, thank you so much. What I really wanted from that was just to be able to eat normal food for a little while again. And um, then she also wrote, and it was something that she gave me to read um, after her funeral. And um, she, what she also wrote, thank you for reintroducing me to my faith. And I just thought, you know... This is, this is why we need to be out loving people, living in the, in the reality of people's lives. She had an encounter with Jesus when she came to our church. This was in Portsmouth. Um, she had an encounter with Jesus that meant she wasn't instantly healed. Of course, we prayed for that and longed for it and cried for it and the whole lot. But she came back to Jesus before she went to be with him. And to me, that is our job as Christians, to be Jesus out there in the community. Um, one of the things in our small groups is that um, we, we can be praying for words of knowledge for people, praying for each other in the power of the Spirit as we pray for our oikos. And if, we, if you've been looking at the word, and I know some of you have because I introduced it a few weeks ago, um, it's our own personal household. So it's your family, your colleagues, your friends, and your neighbours. The Samaritan woman in this story, she ends up going and telling her oikos, and many of them come to faith. Isn't that incredible? Just from one encounter, because Jesus was willing to go where he shouldn't have gone as a Jewish person. He sent the disciples off, because actually, let's face it, he was, I think, thinking that they were going to be quite judgmental. And we know that they were, because they came back, and they didn't want to say anything, but you can see them from the text, they're doing this. What's he doing talking to her? She's a Samaritan. What's he doing? And I, maybe that's why he sent off 12 people to get food for them all. You know, it wasn't because they were just getting enough supplies for a month. It was actually, it's like, you know, boys, off you go. Just, just all go. Go on. I need some space and time. I'm just going to sit down and rest and wait for you to come back. Because actually I know there's a divine encounter that somebody is going to come and hear the message and then go out and tell her community she ends up telling her oikos, and many end up believing. So, worshipping in small groups. Worshipping as gathered church, we experience the transcendent presence of God. We had an experience of this a few years ago. We went to New Wine, a festival up in um, Shepton Mallet, and there were about 6,000 people in this enormous, um, I was going to call it a tent, but you know how, I don't know what it is. Um, and we got in quite late, and we were just sort of sat at the side, but leaning against the wall, sitting on the floor. And I think it was Martin Smith that was leading worship, but that's really not important. We were, we were just kind of sat there. Um, sorry, I don't know why that's... <laughs> just wanted you to picture it. Um, and, and he just allowed for this time of silence, which really we're quite uncomfortable with in our society, aren't we? You know, we're quite uncomfortable with silence. Um, yeah. And... There's just this absolute stillness. And then I was just aware that literally the, the whole other side of this huge tent thing, this sound of singing, and I just thought, what is that? That just doesn't sound, that's amazing. That just sounds gorgeous. What is it? And so everyone else is like really quiet. And I'm thinking, what is going on what is, what is that? Is that like, is there, a, is there a little choir right across the far side? I mean, it would have taken me two or three minutes to get to the other side. 
of this huge place. And this sound, it kind of went, and it sort of went up the sides and kind of came over the top of us. And I was like, is that because everyone, is everyone joining it? What is going on here? And I thought, is it just me? Am I here? Have you ever been in a moment where you just kind of go, am I hearing this? Is it, I, is it, am I the only one? It was just absolutely awesome. Gathered church together. I really believe that was some kind of angelic visitation. It was absolutely amazing. It was the transcendent presence of God. There was something that the silence created, because we love, you know, bashing it out and singing and full on and all that. But sometimes we need a bit of silence, don't we? And then heaven joins us. <laughs> heaven comes, comes near. What an incredible thing that is. There was just this moment, and then we all kind of were, oh, whoa, what's going on? Just standing there, joining in, and I was trying to work out the harmonies that I could hear. You know, no, I don't, I, that's not a major seventh, no, what is it? Is that, is it a diminished, no, I don't know what that is, but it's beautiful. And uh, we all just started to join in with our voices, and there was no kind of chord progression, you know, from like, a to B to E, back again. There was nothing like that. There was just like this sound that came from us all. It was one of the most remarkable things I've ever experienced. We worship him in spirit, and that's what Jesus predicts. He says, there is the time coming, verse 23, when the worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth because they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit. Because God is spirit, we worship in keeping with his nature which is why we don't need a building, okay? These bricks and mortar, much as we love them, are not important, okay? This is what's important, what is going on in our hearts, okay? Because it's our hearts that Jesus died for, and we surrender to him. His spirit speaks to us, and we go, Abba, Father, Abba, you're my daddy, you are my dad, Heavenly dad, wow, you know? And whatever kind of earthly dad you've had, your heavenly dad is perfect, and he just wants to give you that hug every day that you've longed for, okay? Take time with him to receive that Abba hug. And we worship in truth, transparency, sincerity, according to the truth of Christ, okay? So we worship in spirit, we worship in truth. He is full of grace and truth. He is our focus, our perfect example. And isn't it incredible, again, that this conversation is the longest recorded conversation in the Bible? Jesus with a woman, talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, ooh, with no one else around as a chaperone. Goodness gracious me, what risks he took. But seriously, this is the longest recorded conversation. How amazing is that? That's incredible. I think that's great. He's foreshadowing church here. It's radical what he's doing. That's why the dis disciples are kind of like on the back foot when they come and say, what's he? He's talking to, he's talking to a, a woman, a Samaritan woman. It's like, you know, Ugh. really? It's offensive. Offensive. But do you know what? God wants us to be, and I'm saying this because I think I know my audience. <laughs> he wants us to be radical, and he wants us to be offensive. Okay, 
And that means that we are prepared to step out and go somewhere a little bit different, a little bit like, oh, that means I'm going to talk to that group of people who I never hang out with because they're just so weird. Okay? Or I'm going to go next door to the person who plays really, really loud music, which frankly sounds like it comes from the pit of hell, and I'm going to go and make friends with them. Okay? I'm going to go somewhere. And if my spirit is offended, then I'm just going to keep loving that person. Okay, I'm going to go down to the local pub, even though I think it's a weird place where all kinds of shady deals go on, and I'm going to hang out there. And I know Mike and Joe are modelling that for us gorgeously. Let's just go down there and, and love people and get to know people. And who knows? Who knows what God will do with that beautiful obedience? We are his spirit-led body here on earth. So I'm going to launch into Ephesians 2 and just remind ourselves of who we were. This is what we were, according to Ephesians 2. We were separate, excluded, foreigners, without hope and without God. It's not good, is it? It's not looking good, any of those words. Separate, excluded, foreigners, without hope and without God. That's what you came to hear this morning. Oh, and not chosen. Sorry, I missed that one. Not chosen. Okay. But then Paul, gorgeously, as he does... But now, and I've written it in capital letters in my notes, but now, exclamation mark, underlined three times, in Christ. Just listen to this huge list and just let it soak into your spirits before we go into small worship. We are brought near. We are made one with God. What? At peace, reconciled, with access to God. Fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, Joined together in Christ, a holy temple in Christ, again, built together, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. No wonder, no wonder a river of living water bursts out from us when we worship. And if it doesn't, we've got to ask ourselves some serious questions. Have we really connected with the truth of who we are now in Christ and what we have in Christ? Wow. The middle wall has broken down. In other words, Gentile people could not go into the presence of God. And actually only the high priest could go right into the presence of God. And only once a year. And then they had to tie a rope onto his leg. Because in case he hadn't purified himself quite well, if he went into the Holy of Holies and he wasn't actually pure, then he would be just struck down instantly. Nobody could go in there to retrieve him because it's the Holy of Holies. It's the most holy place on earth so they had a rope on his leg so they could pull him out if he died on the spot I mean that's pretty significant isn't it do you know what the new testament tells us that we can enter into the holy of holies we don't have any ropes on our legs which is probably a good thing because that would be a bit weird but we can go straight into the presence of Jesus because he has died for us because he has forgiven our sins all may freely enter the curtain has been torn we may freely enter the blood that brings our forgiveness has been shed, poured out. We can freely enter. In his body, Christ put to death the hostility between us all. He must break his heart when he sees parts of his church fighting. And the devil rubs his hands in glee. He has put to death the hostility between us, Gentiles, Jews, whoever. There is no need 
for a human priest or an intermediary because we have Jesus, our brother, our high priest, our friend who's gone before us. So what should our heart attitude be in our worship? I'm just going to run through some things really quickly now and then we're going to have to sing a couple of songs together and just spend time just worshipping Jesus. Anticipate God's revealed presence. Expect him. I love the place where you live, says David. And the place where you live is the gathered people, wherever we are. Look for God's hand at work. We see salvation in Romans. We see deliverance in Acts. Listen for God's voice. God will often give you direction in a time of worship. There will be a, a real sense of, this is what I want you to do. And it's just kind of right here. Was a, a lady in one of our other churches used to say, I just know it in Manoah. <laughs> and she meant here. She just, just that absolute. Expect to be challenged. This is the one that got me. And I hope it gets you as well. Maybe it's for specifically for somebody here, but let's not get off the hook on that easily on that. Psalm 68. The father to the fatherless, this is talking about God, defender of the widows is God in his holy dwelling. Okay, we're not talking about God being in heaven at this instance. We are talking about, we are the holy dwelling of God. Okay, so what are we doing about the fatherless and what are we doing about defending the widows? Okay, now I think that might be specifically for somebody here, but I think all of us need to kind of, and I'm, I'm like, whoa, whoa, deep, step back, deep breath. What does that actually mean for me in my daily life? What am I doing to help those people? Because that is actually God in his dwelling. I am his dwelling. You are his dwelling. What are we doing about those things? Okay, what a challenge that is. Resist complacency. Hebrews 12, surrender to him. Give everything you've got, Romans 12. We need to lay down our old flames and be ready to carry his new fire. And we, when we come together, there is such an incredible presence of God among us and we just catch the fire, if you like, and it, we let go of our old flames and we catch the fire of Jesus' presence with us and we go, okay, right, and I'm not going to leave it there in that building. I'm going to take it with me wherever I go and I'm going to step out and I'm going to speak to somebody and all. The, I don't know, in fact, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm going to be spirit-led and it's not until I'm in the moment, like Jesus says, I've got to go through Samaria. And the disciples are, what? I've got to go. I don't know if he knew he was going to meet the woman at the well. don't know that. But he knew he had to go through there. And we know the outcome. And we need to just give everything we've got. Let's just finish with Romans. Um, Acts Romans. Anyone else have to do that? <laughs> just say, okay, where am I in the Bible? Right, I'm there. Moving, Acts Romans. Romans 12. 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We put ourselves on the altar every day 
submit to his authority, we submit to his word, we submit to his leading. Jesus put himself on the altar for us. The difference for us is that we are put on the altar and our hearts stay there, but our bodies get into, get into action. We go into our workplaces, we go into our homes, we go into shops, schools, colleges, and we're carrying that heart of complete surrender and that heart of, I'm listening to you, Lord. What do you want to say? Just point me in the right direction. Lead me by your spirit. Show me, show me, show me. And I believe when we really come to that place of full surrender, we're going to see some significant things in our workplaces, in our schools, in our city and beyond, wherever we are, wherever we are. Our families, our families really need this. Complete surrender. Okay, so yes, it is about enjoying singing on a Sunday, but worship, the house of God being a place of worship, the household of God being people who are completely surrendered to his will. That's true worship. True worship. 